Today's episode is brought to you by Amio. Amio is a traveling booking platform that makes planning a journey into Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Amio will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Amio saves your time and money. That's a win-win in our books. Amio wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to Amio.com and use the code LISTENER5 at checkout. This is valid until June the 30th for new users on all modes of transport. It's just a pick-me-up 2021 needs. Amio. Plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. It's Friday. It's 9 a.m. You know what that means. Your boys, Justin and RJ, are back right here, right now, on the Ringside Rant. Justin, what's up, man? I know when we're recording this, you are less than 24 hours away from driving your lovely truck down to Jacksonville, Florida for double or nothing. Uh, I know you're looking forward. You just put new brand new tires on it, right? Yeah, I'm definitely uh, fired up. Got the truck uh, 
it needed all kinds of stuff. Needed new brakes, needed a new wheel bearing. We did, we've had to go through it a little bit with that thing in the last uh, couple uh, weeks, but we've got it fired up and ready to go. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited to head down for my first ever pay-per-view, live pay-per-view. And especially excited to meet a lot of other top guys and gals down there. And uh, we'll see how this goes. Staying in a big Airbnb with like 13 other crazy sons of bitches. So what could, go, what, what could go wrong? Yeah. You, you, you took out a you, you upped your insurance policy, right? Yeah. <laughs> they got an extra life insurance plan. <laughs> yeah. I said that's always that would always be a good thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Definitely looking forward to uh, just seeing all you guys uh, taking off. I know a bunch of people have already left. They're flying down there. Uh, as we speak, a bunch of people are flying out tomorrow, driving down, such as yourself. I know uh, Adam from Bama is uh, uh, driving over from Alabama. I think he said it's only like a six and a half hour, five hour drive for him. Uh, and it's gotta then- be cool, you know. We got people coming in from everywhere. A couple from Alaska, mm-hmm. uh, a couple from, or I know one from California. Uh, mm-hmm. One that we don't speak of his name. Um. You know, so it's going to be interesting to meet everyone for the first time. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. But nothing, uh, something that we can't wait for and we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to be ranting and raving about the June 6th edition uh, from 1996, I should say, the WCW Nitro. Uh, This was in that wheelhouse, I know, for both of us in our fandom for WCW. Uh, This was pretty much this episode the previous episode and then the one after this episode which is going to be the 13th of june are three of the most crucial uh nitros i think in wcw history yeah definitely three that uh started to change the whole vibe of everything these uh these three nitros here in a row like you said uh with hall coming out in the first one and uh you know, I think then Nash coming out. Um, so, yeah, things were starting to pick up, as uh, a guy in a black hat used to say. Man. Business is starting to pick up. Sassafras. So, uh, the previous Nitro, like we talked about, was very crucial. We saw the uh, invasion, air quotes, of Scott Hall and WCW. Nobody knew he was there or he was coming. I don't, I'm pretty sure. I think Eric was like the last person to know that he was, he was coming in uh, after his, after he, the whole, whole curtain call es, escapades in uh, WWF. Uh, the first two hour nitro, uh, as well as this first match on TV between Sting and Scott Steiner. Uh, which obviously we know the history of those uh, those great great competitors. So a lot going into this one, Justin, and this even the one before this was outstanding. Uh, th- we're starting to see the turn of WCW, and we're about two months out from the wrestling world basically be changed being changed forever. Uh, when uh, the New World Order outfit was formed at Bash of the Beach uh, back in, 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 in July there. So what were your thoughts going in? And then we'll get into uh, our opening contest. What were your thoughts going into this, this Nitro when you were watching it? 
uh, obviously knowing everything now, uh, but trying your best to try to keep all the other opinions out of it. Yeah, I mean, this is about the time where I started watching WCW, you know, around this time. I had seen it before, you know, in the mid-90s, early 90s um, on WCW Saturday night. But that was even that was sparingly because I only got to see it every so often when I would go to my grandma's who had cable and I didn't. So this by this time I had actually uh, chipped up and got myself some cable. At least my mom and dad did. So by 96, you know, Nitro was on and I didn't pay a lot of attention to it until about now, until this stuff started happening. Yeah, and that that's pretty it's pretty pretty much about the same time that I did, too. Uh, starting to see flutters of it on, on cable on satellite, excuse me. But uh, yeah, it was very definitely an interesting time frame. And uh, why don't we head up to the ring to Mr. Rich Palladino at this time? Ringside rant fans. It's the opening contest. I think for that rich and thanks for that. Mr. Tony Schiavone. What an introduction. I figured we get, something from tony in there one way or another you're the one that suggested it and i'm glad you did because i forgot how well uh tony was introducing nitro every week yeah he was he was especially fired up for this week uh he seemed to be uh that that chair was raised all the way to the top and uh he was screaming from the mountaintop when he opened this one up. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. It gets you fired up for Nitro. It really does. It got me fired up. I'm like, hell yeah, Tony's fired up. So it's just, you know, you know, and the way they did Nitro back then is first hour was Tony and Larry. Uh, and then Tony and Larry Zabisco. Mm-hmm. And the second hour was Eric and Bobby Heenan. So Eric Bischoff and Bobby Heenan. So that uh, that was interesting. I don't think they did that. I can't remember how long they did that, but I don't think it was a whole, very long. I don't, yeah, I don't think it was very long either. I never really, I never really got it myself. I really would have wanted to see Tony. What it ended up being was Tony and Bobby, and a rotating third, whether it be Eric when he before he joined the uh, NWO or. Uh, I think it, uh, Dusty was there for a short time. And then Tanae was there when he, they were doing a lot of the cruiserweights uh, and a lot, a lot, some of the foreign uh, Japanese wrestlers coming in. But uh, this was, like we said, this was right when we started watching WCW ourselves personally. And this came, this was in Asheville, North Carolina. So this was pretty much the stomping grounds for WCW uh previous to this going back to the uh, jcp days uh and, and into the nwa and then wcw but we saw the debut of a team that i never i never could get behind it was high voltage ruckus and chaos taking on the faces of fear starting off this uh nitro uh faces of fear being mang and the barbarian Haku, if you will. Uh, but to me, the one thing that I got out of this is the Faces of Fear, probably one of the most underrated tag teams in wrestling history. Uh, you can even go back to when they're in the WWF with Bobby and the, uh, the Heenan family as Haku and the Barbarian. Uh, I've always liked their work. Meng doing a freaking drop kick 
I mean, I'm pretty sure Barbarian did like a superplex off the top rope. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, he did. He he gave a double, like a big double arm suplex off yeah. the top and just threw the guy over him. It was it was awesome. Yeah, and then like I said, high voltage. I, I get their aspect of it, but I just never I. I could never take them seriously, man. They were always, they were either leading off or the, the popcorn match that you'd get up and uh, go to the men's room or ladies room or whatever and, and, and avoid their match. And the thing is, and personally, I just, I, other characters, they could probably could have done well at, to be honest with just do the ruckus and chaos. Well, I mean, for me, I thought they did their job in this match, which it's their debut and their job is to job to Ming and uh, Barbarian. And they did. I thought they sold really well and made Ming and Barbarian look strong, Mm -hmm. which was what they were there to do. Um, We talked about that uh, double arm suplex. (laughs) I wrote down in my notes, Tony absolutely shit his pants when Barbarian did that off the top. Uh, but Tony, in even in this match, was still on his fucking game. I thought he called this thing well. Um, just overall, for an opening match and for what it was, I thought it was fine. You know, I thought, and they hyped it up well, and mm-hmm. I thought it was good. Well, you started off hot, and that's the one thing that, if I will give High Voltage any type of credit, uh, they they put on a show. They could work. It's just they come out and the crowd's dead. Well, it doesn't help when you have me when you open up and we didn't mention this, but the show opens up with a mean gene and the shark uh, interview. Well, that, well, that too. Yeah, no. And, and the shark is sitting there who is John Tenta earthquake is giving a promo about the quote embarrassment of big Bubba cutting his hair. Half of it. I mean, yeah, half of his hair. And he left it there to show him every day how he's going to beat the shit out of Big Bubba. And by the time he was done with that, the crowd really didn't give a shit about uh, high voltage coming out next. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I'm like, and I told one of those promos was uh, always forgettable, unfortunately, because Earthquake was always a good. I always enjoyed him when he was with the WWF. you know, natural disasters with typhoon and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. here it's just like, come on, man. You know, hold it on to scraps, you know, of a career at this point. And, but, this, was, uh, and this was when he was in uh, with aligned with Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. This, he was in the dungeon of doom, I think, or I, he may have been in, out of it at this point. I, or he wasn't yeah. in it yet. Yeah. No, I think he was in it in 95. So oh, I he think was just out he was then. moving out maybe by then, mm-hmm. but, um, so anyways, I think I thought that, but I thought that tag team match did a good job of getting the crowd back into it and back kind of up by the end of it, mm. um, especially for a heel team going over. You know, I thought the crowd responded to it well. And then, of course, they throw back to Mean Gene with a Gene Luger Sting tag team champion promo. Yeah. And the it, Luger was absolutely terrible as usual. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even take his finger and draw a line very many times to make it interesting. This is how I do a line. This yeah. is up and down and I decide. And then the Steiners come in and interrupt it. And then, you know, Mean Gene's like, it's getting wild in here. We got to go back to you, Tony. You know, one of those things. Yeah. But let's let's send it back up to the ring. And I, I just not, I. I never under I, and I didn't get the sting and uh, uh, 
Luger tag team. They're tag team champions, but I know I they go they way they go way back in early NWA days, but it's like you kind of grasping at straws at this point. Uh, and and speaking of grasping at straws, Disco Inferno is up here next, and uh, gives up. Yes, I said gives up mm-hmm. to Pittman, Sergeant Pittman, I should say. And my notes really say, really. What the hell is this crap? Yeah, it was bad. And I just, my only note on it was, it is what it is. <laughs> but, oh, I'm, I'm out thinking him. Okay. Yeah. Disco Inferno is what you get when Ray Romano has sex with Big Bird. That's yeah. Disco Inferno. This is definitely a kill some time in the early half or the early first hour. Match. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without question. And that's what you even got. At least the match before this had some sort of action. This one was like, all right, really? Are we doing this? And I, I give credit to Sergeant Pittman. But man, come on. You got to book him against somebody that is somewhat legitimate. And because I just I, I hate a strong word. I strongly dislike Disco Inferno. We'll just leave it. I just. I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> and then. Yeah, you follow this matchup. With Arn Anderson and Ric Flair versus the Rock and Roll Express on free TV in 1996. Yeah, let uh... that sink in. Let that sink in for a little bit. Free TV. Legitimately one of the best tag teams of all time in the Rock and Roll Express, taking on two of the best workers of all time on free TV. And they wonder why WCW went under. Yeah. I mean, this was the return of the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, it's not like they had been there. Mm-hmm. So, and by this time, they were kind of stale to the WCW audience, I think. And just kind of the gimmick was old at this point. And if you're trying to get over as these little heartthrob guys and you're 40 years old, it doesn't really, you know, doesn't really work. Marty Gennetti could have got over. Well, who knows? <laughs> he, he'll get over on top of something. I, I guarantee you that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was a long, extremely long match that this match was, the Arn and Rick one. Um, and it was, I don't know. It ended with woman interfering, of course, but my favorite part of the whole match was Bobby at the end and whether he was going to manage them or not at the next pay-per-view. And he ended up saying he's going to, he said he would never manage again, but he's going to be Rick and Arn's coach at ringside. Oh, exactly. And, you, and another thing that I noticed too is Rick wore red and he won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know we previously discussed that. That yep. whenever Rick wore red, he lost, uh, i.e. against The Undertaker, WrestleMania, Macho Man Savage at, uh, at WrestleMania. But he won here with red. And I think it was more of, hey, let me try to match with Arn kind of thing, I believe. And another thing, Flair, did you notice him bumping for Pee Wee shoves? Oh, yeah, big time. And he just kept coming back for more and yeah. feeding, feeding in the Pee Wee. I don't like that, that, that popped me. That's one of the things that it's those little things that you're not necessarily getting the referee over, 
but you're just getting that heelish tendencies. Yeah. Like the problem was so good at the problem was at this point, Rick could try to be a heel, but he wasn't. And that was more made people laugh than made people mad. That wasn't, you know what I mean? That was for comedic purposes only, Mm -hmm. which Rick would do whether he was a face or a heel. But my favorite part at the end, when Bobby's doing this promo, it made me pop. He tells Rick and Arn that he will stay retired and he's not going to manage him. That's what he tells him, like, at the beginning of his little spiel. Mm-hmm. And when he says that he's not going to manage him, Rick, the only thing Rick yells, he goes, what about the girls? <laughs> it, it, <laughs> like, always, it always goes Rick, back to him. In Rick's mind, it'll be the girls that keeps Bobby. What about the girls? And then Bobby says, you know, that he's going to be the coach and uh, that he'll be their coach at Bash at the Beach here at the next pay-per-view. Well, you know, and, and another thing I noticed, too, is they're coming out to the ring in uh, Kevin Green and Mongo jerseys. Yeah, and, and Arn couldn't get his off. Arn I, couldn't I, get his off, and the girls had to take it off. And I'm like, that, I'm like, that... I, I don't know if he legitimately couldn't get off, get it off. Oh, it was it was on there. You well, had to peel that some bitch off. Well, those are like legitimate, authentic jerseys that they were wearing that they had that they were wearing. And Arn isn't a small dude, especially at this time, because he well, and his pumpkin head—that's the biggest part. You got to get it around. <laughs> well, they had that too, but imagine all the necks he stretched out in t-shirts in his day. Pop still does probably. You probably have to get him loose fitting t shirts or something. I don't know that a V neck would even help his pumpkin ass. Yeah. Hey, well, hey, anytime he wants to come on this show, they can, anybody can tweet at him. That would be fantastic. Anytime he wants to come on and uh, and talk to us, that'd be absolutely phenomenal. I, don't, I, I can't speak for Justin because calling him a pumpkin head, you got to keep a kayfabe here, kid. Well, I will I will take a spine buster. I will sell a spine buster any day of the week for Arn. I forgot what I was watching. It was a wrestling event, and we'll get into the weeds a little bit here, but somebody did a spine buster and oh I think it was on Raw or SmackDown or something. And oh I'm so they're gonna say, Oh, it's a double A. Oh, wait, no, they can't because he's in the other promotion. Yeah. <laughs> but I just at this time you get these Arn and Rick promos like you're talking talking about after their victory. They're up there just with anything else. Oh, yeah. And, no doubt. And I, I don't think Arn, Arn gets enough credit outside of the small wrestling circle that we're in uh, with the ad-free shows. But uh, obviously we're biased in that aspect. But people that are outside the ad free shows, Patreon bubble. You don't, I remember Arn because I remember watching these nitros and now I remember going back and watching a lot of the old school stuff uh, back in like the 86, 87, 88, 89 of him with the TV title and all that stuff. But uh, I, Arn never really got enough credit for what he did for the company for at this, at this time. And in wrestling in general, I know a lot of a lot of the boys and the girls give him credit now, but I'm talking back here in '96 when you have a young guys like a, a Malenko, uh, uh, Saturn, 
uh, Eddie, Chris, Jericho, uh, that really can learn, go to the learning tree a little bit kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, Arn was just always just one of the best professional wrestlers. And when I mean, I mean professional with a capital P mm-hmm. and any wrestler could learn a lot from watching any Arn Anderson match. Well, and that's the thing too, because like with Gavin, he's only nine, but I'm sitting there, I'm watching 86 JCP doing some of these watch alongs with the Tony with WHW when they do the watch alongs and, or I'm just watching old 86. I go back and watch a lot of the star cage from the eighties when him and like flair and, and dusty flair and, uh, um, uh, Harley. There we go. I knew I, it was going to come to me sooner or later, but, uh, yeah, it just, those types of matches, you really stand the test of time. Now looking back at it now, and obviously being at that time, we're all, we were only Christ at that time, one or two years old. So, and that's the magic of the peacock. Yes. I said the magic of the peacock and going back and watching it now on the network. So it, it all what's works this, out. What's this magical cock you speak of? Uh, you will have to ask our good personal friend about that. And I'm okay. sure he'll, I'm sure he'll probably give you a, a laundry list of answers to that. Right. <laughs> yeah we're just kidding you can't really go you can't really go for a great transition from that i know i may i may be good but i'm not that good noted <laughs> so we did mention that heenan's gonna be back as a quote-unquote coach for the great american bash in baltimore uh this he to me he was made to be a manager as well as he was doing on commentary on color or whatever, you had to see, you had to be at ringside to be anyways. But it, it was just, just a matter of time before he got, I know he had next neck problems, right? Yeah. And this was really about the only time in his WCW run that he flirted with being a manager. And I remember, I think there was a question to um, Bruce, maybe on uh, when it, uh, something to wrestle when they did ask Bruce anything. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody asked Bruce about, or no, it wasn't Bruce. It was Eric. It was an ask Eric anything. Sorry. And they asked Eric about what um, was, would have been, or what could have happened if you make, Bobby Heenan, a face manager in 97, 96, and he leads the face WCW group against the NWO. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that would have been really cool. Yeah, there was something that, yeah, that was definitely something with Eric. And I think that would have been, that would have taken in money hand over fist with that, because that's something that you never saw was Bobby Heenan as a face manager. Uh, going against and I, and I think you started to see a little little bit of it on commentary uh that he was turning face against the nwo but as you know obviously hindsight being what it is nwo got over nwo started getting cheered so it's like when you're anything but nwo nwo you suck yeah once we get more towards 97 98 but you could have sold the the long feud between hogan and Bobby, and it's still there. And Bobby can now say as the face, 
I told you guys for years that this guy was a loser, you know, and a, a no good, whatever. And, you know, now he can lead the Stings and the Lugers and what, and Ric Flair or whatever against the NWO. Mm-hmm. And another point to bring up, too, is we start seeing a lot of these promos of people debuting over and over again, whether it be Saturday night or Nitro here. We saw a promo for Glacier as a debut of Glacier. Do you think that that they overhyped Glacier? Um, No, it wasn't a too big of a promo. It was a really quick kind of Mortal Kombat looking thing. Um, I just think WCW had never really done a lot of vignettes to introduce someone mm-hmm. that really wasn't their style, you know, coming from the JCP days and all that. Um, so that was kind of some of the first promos or, or vignettes that I remember them doing. I'm sure that the fans will listen and tell me that I'm wrong, but I don't remember a whole lot of other ones. Well, I can tell you're wrong if giant, you want me to. I think Giant Gonzalez, maybe, or, or whatever his name was. Uh, Eligante. Eligante. He may have had some. Mm-hmm. But we're also seeing uh, the Collins. You know how badly we hate the Collins during uh, wrestling shows. So, yeah, this this call, and if you want to call that from the Macho Man, was absolutely horrendous, talking about that he's going to come out and – coach Mongo and green at great American bash uh, against flair and, uh, and Arn. and briefly touch on this because it, it just doesn't, we don't want to give it too much, <laughs> too much credit for that. What it was, but I just, it's like, come on guys. Really? Really? You're sitting there. They're still plugging the slim gym. You're looking at Kevin green. He looks at the slim gym. He looks at Mongo and I'm like, I totally forgot it, about that too. How they it did. was one of the worst promos I've ever seen in my life. And it was absolutely terrible. Kevin Green and Mongo, they're just like talking to each other and coaching each other up, like in a really over the top, dumbass fucking way. Like no one talks like this in real life. Hey, man, I know what to do. Clothesline him like you're on offensive lineman on the field, blah, blah, blah. Like it was terrible shit. Mm-hmm. Terrible shit. Mm-hmm. Whoever wrote that needed fired that day. And, and speaking of terrible shit, we had during the Steiner and Luger and Sting match, he had the giant come out and probably one of the worst choke slams I've ever seen on Rick Steiner. I don't know if you caught that watching it. Yeah. But it's just basically he picked him up and he just dropped him. Mm-hmm. Basically. And it's like, and then, and then he, and then, uh, then he gets beat down by Luger Sting and, 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 uh, and uh, Scott Steiner. So it's like, really? Yeah, that's how they, you know, end the match is just with the giant coming out and just killing everyone. Wait, at this time, he was a heavyweight champion. Yeah, he, I know. So it's man, like, that belt looks so small when it's around his when waist. When it's around too. his waist, do you notice? I'm surprised. I, I don't know. Did they have to put extenders or something in to get it around his waist? But he was a lot thinner then in 96, yeah. though, than he was, obviously, than he is now. But he's not even that. He's not when he was as big as he was now as Paul White. But yeah, it, it was just I had to address that because that was one of the uh, one of the worst things I've ever seen as far as a finishing move. Yeah. And it's just unreal. 
Uh, I don't know now. Don't don't forget about old Billy Goldberg. He can fuck some shit up in no time. Well, there's that Bret Hart reference right there that I figured we get every episode. But uh, so we get towards the end. We're gonna touch briefly on this at the end of uh, at the end of the show too. But I wanted to mention it to here to make sure that we, we didn't forget about it. Is uh, that Scott Hall comes back out at the end of Nitro? Um, that uh, just to say that he had so much fun last week and he came back this week and he mentioned that we are coming back for more. So then Stink comes out to the broadcast booth that's up towards the stage and calls him out for a match, slaps, slaps him in the face. And Hall mentioned he has a big surprise for next week. So, being hindsight spoiler alert, if you have never watched Nitro before, it was Kevin Nash. Yeah. And if you're going to go back and watch this one, you're going to have to watch the next one too to really understand it because these, like I, we said, the beginning of this episode was a lot of these are all grouped together. You can't really watch one and not the others because the other ones will make sense. Um, of the, of this storyline that they're doing. Yeah. Don't, don't be a spoiler there, RJ. Don't spoil it for everyone. Let them know who the third man was. I heard that it was, uh, that was Mabel. I heard it was Mabel or possibly Kamala. Then, hey. Weren't gotten over either way. Okay, I I had to I had to hit my stomach for a second there. I had to, uh, but yeah, that was this is like I said, this is we'll get into a little bit more in depth after uh, our next segment. But uh, why don't we send it up to Ritual quick and introduce us into the next segment? It is now time for rants and raves. All right, thanks for that, Rich. Uh, so, Ransom Raves this week, Justin. Uh, the one I had, I had to start off with a banger. I had to get Tony involved again. How many times will Tony say in a WCW broadcast, "This is where the big boys play"? It's where the big boys play. Because I'm pretty sure he was probably paid off that saying. Like every time he said he got like a hundred bucks or something. He had I know. To. They were really trying to get that over around this time because I isn't that what Scott Hall said when when he came in and did that promo? Hey, is this where the big boys play? Oh wait, no, I think it was uh, Nash. Oh, okay, yeah, either one. Which, but I, it seems like this during this time period, they were definitely trying to get trying to get that phrase over. Well, right, yeah, but that's. We're going to play that promo a little bit. Surprise, surprise. We're going to play that after the segment. But uh, Nash wasn't really known for those promos. He he was good for one or two, but he wasn't really known for him. Even back in the, in the, in the Fed when he was Diesel, uh, he wasn't known for those promos. That's why he had Sean with him. And he would just sit back there like a goof and just agree with him, nod his head and go on from there. But yeah, that... They're trying very, very hard to get that over. And I get it. This is where the big boys play. And it was a smaller guys are up in the Federation. And literally the bigger boys were down south in WCW. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that was a shot at Brett and Sean because they were kind of the champions at the time. And they were saying, you know, this is where the big boys play. Our champion is seven foot, whatever. And the other one, Hulk Hogan is six foot six and Kevin Nash is whatever. So, yeah, I think they were trying to get that over. You know, another thing that I wanted them to get over, I don't know how you feel on this, is they're really pushing a little bit for staying in Regal. Uh, Sir Steel, Sir Stephen Regal at this time. Uh, it was, they did a promo on him before that, before the uh, Regal Duggan match. Mm. Uh, we kind of skipped over that match. I thought that yeah. was a decent match for what yeah. it was. I mean, you got the kind of USA tone versus this, you know, in, European guy. But even Regal was so good at the time, he could make a Duggan match okay. And mm. then, you know, he did. But that's the thing. You really had to work a pretty, pretty, pretty damn hard to get Duggan over. And I loved him. He was one of the first wrestlers I saw growing up. No, he and, was hugely over to, you know, four-year-old slap dick me in 1989. Oh, of course. But it's like, all right, we're really going to do this again? Okay, this is so much. And then he turned him heel. He turned him Canadian. Yeah. Nothing. What the What the fuck? Why are you going to turn him heel and make him Canadian out of all the things you could turn him into? You turn him into Canadian. Doesn't make sense. That's a, that's a, that's a good thing that we talked about it here in the Rancher Raves because I, I could pretty much go on it forever, but uh, Kevin Sullivan at this time too, Dungeons of Doom, still active, still, still going. Can Kevin Sullivan dispose of Prince Iakea like that every single week, please? Oh, holy shit. It was an absolute squash. Seriously. I, mean, I I can't. I was watching it and I couldn't believe how much of a squash it was. Like, they're really trying to get Sullivan over hard here. I'm like, what the hell? Because they really hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And really wouldn't after this, but they were, I mean, all five foot five of him came across like he was fucking Vader. I was like, what the hell? Well, Grant, you're also comparing him to Prince Iakea too. So it's like, okay, yeah. well. Hey, he's a he's future cruiserweight champion. I don't give a shit. And he was a TV champion. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Just, just get off my screen. He had turned the channel heat. Yeah. For for me, anyways, I don't know how it, everybody else was with that, but he had the turn. Okay, let's turn the channel. Turn the channel heat. Yeah. But. Well, I don't know Sullivan. They were and they also like did the recap of the Arn and Benoit and Sullivan situation, where weirdly Sullivan and Arn are trying to be like friends because they're both their little families are heels and they're trying to work together, and then like. Sullivan, of course, has a problem with Benoit since, you know, the whole fucking his wife thing. Mm. And um, so it, there's a whole weird dynamic there between those three. So they do a big recap on that before. So I guess they're trying to build up Benoit versus Sullivan. So that's why you would have Sullivan smash the shit out of Ikea because you think it's going to be that way. It makes it look like it's going to be a better match with when he's when he jobs to Benoit. Well, but yeah, but that that makes 
makes a whole lot of sense. Do you think Kevin Sullivan really needed any type of title? Or do you think he was basically uh, good, good at what he was doing? Yeah, I don't even remember him really ever having one unless it would have been in the 80s well, sometime. Do you, well, do, you, do you think he needed one? Or was he just basically one of those guys, one of those workers that really didn't need it? Yeah, I. he was just always the devil. And that kind of gimmick always got him over, especially back in the late 70s and 80s and whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. He was like the undertaker, but for, you know, he had real, he was the actual devil. Mm-hmm. He didn't just work with the devil like the undertaker. Right. So it's one of those things. We're starting to see a lot of promos at this time too. A lot of these vignettes we, between the Mongo and screen promos, those, and then the Hogan promos. Oh yeah. That Hogan promo was terrible oh, too. My God. Are it was way too kidding? long. It took they, way oh, too fucking long. That Hogan promo are was you insane. kidding me? I don't care. I really don't. And and, and looking at it now, knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, I guess this, they're trying to sell him as like this Mr. America so that yeah. they get more heat when they flip him. Exactly. Not knowing what we're going to see, like I said, in a matter of two months, give or take. Now that makes sense that they're building him up, like you said, is that Mr. America character ask to the point then when he actually turns. You got a lot more heat, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I do you really think that he I don't think he really ever any of that <laughs> Hulkamania died. I wish they would have figured out a better way to flip that heat than putting us through that fucking promo is all I got to say about it. But I just I, I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I, I need these promos at this time in general. Just they weren't doing it for me. And I don't know who was in charge of writing them or producing them or whatever, but I really hope that it wasn't people that we, the people that we actually enjoy uh, enjoy watching their stuff because this shit ain't good, man. Well, listen, I'm going to blame Tony Schiavone. He was producing that slap dick. Uh, that's who I blame, even though I know it's not his fault. I still choose to do it. Well, you have every right to do that, and you can. Uh, and not that he's listening to the show, anyways, but you can always do it. Uh, speaking of Tony, did you ever want one broadcast crew? Like, because that's what I want. Like I said when we brought it up before, keep the same crew the whole show. Granted, it's a two-hour show, and not everybody can sit there for two hours straight. Call on, call on the show, but at least be consistent on it. Have like, like I said, Tony and and Bobby and a rotating third. Well, I'll tell you, I thought Eric, Eric's announcing around this time. I thought it was just terrible. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I love you, Eric. But I thought it was. I mean, Tony's was over the top too. But you believed Tony more. Eric's just came off as a bunch of bullshit. Like, I don't know. It was just way oversell uh, on everything. Well, you can also take into account, too. I think we'll be in June here by almost close to the end of the year. I think it was November of 96. He already turned and he joined the NWO. Yeah. So 
I think they were trying that's to. When like, it, that's when it went to just Tony, Larry, and Bobby. Right, 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 right. Well, because they couldn't have Eric on the on the uh, second hour. And this is, but this goes to show you how hard it is sometimes to one broadcast a live live event and two broadcast for two hours because now everybody's complains about a oh, raw's three hours they're three hours two hours it should be where it is well you're still gonna have the same problems that you're going to have now with the three hours and you do it with the two hours honestly it'd probably be even more because you're not going to be able to book and write for as many people as you want for two hours yeah but yeah, it's it just bans me to see a lot of this stuff, and I just, just make it consistent, man. We 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 keep on seeing a rotating door, wherever or whatever promotion you're looking at, past, present, future, whatever, as far as broadcasts go, because everybody thinks they can do it, and they can't. It's a hell of a lot more difficult than people give it, uh, than people think. Yeah, that's why uh, Raw has a different person on it announcing every other week right now. They just got to read another one. Oh, no. <laughs> and I know. And what was it, Jimmy Jimmy Key or something? Yeah, Jimmy Crackcorn from MMA. I don't know who the hell he is. I don't watch MMA, so I could Or Jimmy, you. what the hell? Um, it's Jimmy something. Jimmy I know something. That. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Jimmy, I'm going to be gone in two weeks, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I, mean, I think he did a little work with, with NXT, but it's starting to see a lot of companies that aren't really dedicating themselves enough to, uh, to broadcast like, 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 uh, like AEW's doing with Excalibur and Tony and, and Jr. Uh, not everything's going to be perfect. Very far from it. If you listen to an AEW broadcast, it's ain't going to be perfect. If you listen to a WWE show, it's not going to be perfect. So it goes to show you how, okay, it, it may not be as easy as you guys think. Uh, what are your takes on the team of fire and ice? Ice train um, and, yeah, Scott and Norton. Scott Norton. Yeah. yeah. I same kind of thing. I like them. Um, I was always kind of a Scott Norton fan. Mm -hmm. Ice train kind of went away. And I mean, he was always kind of there. I think he was there for, year a few more years after this but i don't know they were definitely two big guys that you knew could kick some ass but they just never got pushed you know properly well but we even saw them here too they get pretty much dismantled by uh well big show giant at this time and just trying to trying to get him over even more than than he really was. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I I don't know if it's a matter of them just trying to, they don't know what to do with them. That being the giant, what are we going to do with him? He's our champion. We still don't know what to do with him. Is that, I, I don't know. And he was still part of the dungeons of doom too. So it's like, I just I don't know. I don't and maybe it happened, but I don't really remember like a sting in the giant feud. I think it was on later on, though. I don't like think around I... this time when sting. I mean, who else was their top baby face other than Hogan, who's getting ready to turn? DDP was irrelevant. 
No. So why wouldn't Ma- you have Macho had, Man? Macho Ma- Man. Why wouldn't you have Macho or Sting? You know, kind of feud with uh with him here, but. But but you also take you have to also take into account too, Justin is, you you got the NWO forming a couple months down the road, a couple weeks down the road, and you're gonna have a bigger bigger fish to fry, than putting them against you know the Paul White or Big Show or Giant or whatever you want to call them. I just um, think this show, you know, kind of closing comments on this show on itself. I know we got to do this question, but. Um, it's kind of like the very last one of the this is the end of the bullshit before we get to 2000 bullshit you know what i mean like this is kind of the end of the really shitty angles and shows that they were doing here in early to mid 96 yeah so with that piece let's go up up to the ring to a special promo uh from a nitro of the future. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't want any trouble with you. I don't want any trouble with you here now. But I have to point out, you came out here last week where is it? The big surprise. I mean, I heard a lot of talk, but where's the walk? What? I'm here. Where is it? You've been sitting out here for six months running your mouth. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. Now he said last week that he was gonna bring somebody out here. I'm here. You still don't have your three people. And you know why? because nobody wants to face us. This show's about as interesting as Marge Schott reading excerpts from Mein Kampf. No trouble here tonight, Speak your piece Yeah, no trouble, because you know I'll kick your teeth down your throat. Where's your three guys? You what, you couldn't get a paleontologist? to get a couple of these fossils cleared? You ain't got enough guys off a dialysis machine to get a team? Yeah, where's Hogan? Where's Hogan? Out doing another episode of Blunder in Paradise? Where's the macho man, huh? Doing some Slim Jim commercial? Hey, we're here. You wanna say something? Look, I don't have the authority right here, right now. You want to fight? Fight is it with me. You want three guys? Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, I'm going to be in Atlanta. I'll be in the offices of WCW. I'll try and get you your fight. And you know what? 
live this Sunday in Baltimore, Great American Bash. You guys want to show up? You want to fight? You show up, I'll see if I can get you your fight. I don't know about you, but hey, they love us in Baltimore. Hey, hey big man, I say me and you, we'd be at the bash. Maybe these punks want to fight. Yeah. I'll be there. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. So, Justin, that was one of the promos that uh, we're going to see from Kevin Nash uh, from this next week's episode when he debuted. Uh, This was hitting their ground running, starting on fire uh, in WCW because you're getting Hall, you're getting Nash. A little bit farther down, you're going to get Hogan. So this was one of the most significant times in, in, in the wrestling business. And it goes to show you that it really, it really mattered this time because this was the start or the beginning of the start of those 83 weeks. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, the beginning of the end for Vince McMahon is what this is, uh, mm-hmm. what we kind of saw today. Um once the NWO hits and it becomes this invasion type angle that people start to really get interested in because it's, you know, kayfabe still halfway breathing at this point in time back then. And people were thinking, man, did these guys from, you know, WWF uh, come down and really invade WCW and are they down there to, you know, kill WCW. And it just, it got it. There was a hint of realism to the angle and so it, it caught fire, and this is the beginning sparks. And I, this was really transcending too, because you're seeing these guys that made them made their namesakes over in the com- competition. And w- what drew me into it at this time, I was 12 years old. You're 12 years old at the same time as well. And Wash is like, dude, do we just see these guys in WWF? Well, what the hell are they doing here? You, you, this was the last time you actually, okay, you had to figure out, are they, are they from the other company or are they with this company? What's going on? How, uh, what's, uh, you get confused, but you're still tuning into this. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you have six come later uh, that also kind of adds into that whole, you know, and then you start thinking, oh, God, who else is going to leave WWF and come down there? Because Hall and Nash already have, and now Six has. And you just start to think, and especially me, who was a WWF guy, I was like, oh, shit, is everyone leaving? Going down there. Right, right. And that was the same way. But it's just like, okay, what, looking at it now, I'm like, who was really approached to come down, though? Down south, that is. Because yeah. you always had the rumors, Undertaker and HPK and Austin and Rock, and th- that would have even been uh, outlandish. And Brett says that he was happen. approached. Brett says he was approached in the summer of '96 oh, to be- by WCW, yeah. but ended up turning it down. I think that's when Vince gave him the ten-year deal worth. Whatever. Well, but yeah, you paid. He paid him out to stay there. And he was still getting paid for it when he, when he went down down south anyways. 
Well, no, he had to cancel that. Vince backed out of that contract. That's why he left because Vince was oh, basically he right. told he told Betty, I can't pay you, pal. Yeah, because so, the so, business wasn't that well then. 96, right. 90, 95, 96. The business wasn't as popular as it obviously would soon become. Yeah. In, in 97, well, in, in 97, when Brett left, I think Vince had just made a decision that it had to be. I think he thought in his head that either Vince or Sean, or Vince or Sean, either Brett or Sean had to go because they were not uh, playing well together. And he decided to keep Sean. And so I think that's why he wanted to back out of that deal. Whether or not he had enough money for that deal at the time, I'm not sure. He may not have, but he definitely did by 98. Well, do you think he really made the right decision, that being Brett going down south? Um. Looking at it, looking at it now, no, not really. But just be, because I think that Vince could have made that deal work if he wanted to, and I think Brett probably would have, you know, structured it to help Vince make it work if if Vince wanted to. And I just think Vince felt like it was time to move on from Brett, which you know maybe was the right call looking at what happened even though Brett wrestled a few more years ended up getting hurt and all that and not wrestling much longer but honestly neither did Sean so I don't know if there is a right answer to it I mean obviously Sean came back and wrestled a lot longer but he was out for four years mm-hmm. after a year after Vince had made the bet on Sean and let Brett go mm-hmm. and it just goes to show you that even at this time, those bodies are starting to break down. You're not in the best shape. You're not this, you're not that you're dealing with other, uh, other demons you're dealing with whatever. And it goes to show you where with WCW, they're really taking, taking a risk on this because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's coming down. You don't know if it's going to be the diesel of 94 or the Kevin or the diesel of, of, uh, 96, especially when you're given guaranteed contracts. Yeah. And it could have really, and it could have really blown up in, in WCW's face. It could really have, but, and I think beneficial for everybody, whether it be the workers or whether it be the, the fans, it worked out in the long run, because I don't think if we didn't get the NWO, we wouldn't have had the likes of a DX or any of the, or the nation or whatever other f- insert faction here, because they, the NWO started the ball rolling as far as faction goes. Oh, uh, for sure. And it's nothing against the past factions of uh, like the four horsemen or the free birds or the Von Eric family, even. It had nothing to do with that. Different times. But here in 96, this is basically what uh, main evented, elevated the wrestling business to what we see it today. Yep, without question. Uh, This was the beginning steps of a very uh, high mountain that WCW hit in the late 90s. Now, do you think we'll play a little bit of revisionist bookie here before we call close uh, close shop tonight? Uh, hindsight being what it is, would you have put anybody else 
as those three guys, or do you or do you think that Hall, Nash, and Hogan were those guys to that should have been there? Definitely, I don't think there's anybody else. Um, I think that it just made sense for them all to be former WWE guys. You know, um, the only the only other thing I think you could have done if you want. If Hogan says, you know, that don't work for me, brother, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to go heel, you could have threw Randy in there with Hall and Nash and keep Hogan a babyface and have Hogan to fight against them. Now, do you think we could even throw somebody in there like a Piper? Do you think he would have even done well? Yeah, Piper would have been an interesting uh, cat to put with those two, but I don't think he would have meshed as good as savage with those two i don't know piper i don't know too he's just always a baby face to me i don't care even when he tries to be healed the fans pop for him well yeah that's I, a, and you can a, say that about randy too but the fans are more used to randy being a heel because he's done it i don't know just it kind of goes along with his persona yeah, but it's one of those arguments that everybody that does a podcast or is a wrestling fan or whatever it's a conversation everybody will have because you never know what would have happened. Okay. Are these, this guy going or that guy coming? Cause nobody knew Hogan was going to come. No. And it's interesting. You could, the sting was one of those other options too. Rumor and innuendo has it. Yeah. How I, I don't think, I don't think it would have been over and I love sting. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it would have gotten as over with sting as it did Hogan. No. Not at all, but yeah, it's it, it just goes to show you certain things like that, though. I mean, Hogan had been a face for so long that it didn't just shock WCW fans when Hogan turned heel. It shocked the kind of the country. It was like major news when he turned to a bad guy. Everyone was like, "Holy shit!" And this is before social media too. This was with the the age of the newsletter. Yeah. So it's definitely one of the most exciting things to happen in wrestling in the last, uh, you know, in the what in what you would call the uh, current era mm-hmm. of wrestling. Um, no doubt, a it this whole angle was a was a was a land shifter in professional wrestling land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without question. So. Justin, that is going to be it for this episode. Uh, really appreciate everybody that uh, tuning in this week and continue to do so each and every week. Uh, go over and follow us across social media on Instagram and Twitter at underscore ringside rant. You got JD at JD 2040. I'm still trying to figure what the hell 2040 has to do uh, with it, but and maybe you want to try and do math or try to find half. I, I don't know. Well, no, there's well, a story well, behind it, but it's way too boring to tell our our listeners here. So we and will. If, and anybody listening right now knows anything about Justin, he is definitely boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I never. Uh, but yeah, seriously though, appreciate everybody tuning in. Go over and subscribe across all your major podcasting platforms, uh, including the Full Press Radio Network as well as the Shining Wizards. Uh, network as well shout out to ravenscroft for doing the theme to to these uh to the show check out the merchandise uh, we got t-shirts out there it's getting that time of the year folks tank top time 
Trust me, nobody That's wants right. to see it. J- Justin isn't one for a tank top, but hey, even he will sport one. Uh, so go over there right now and check it out. At, uh, I don't what, know. You think I can get one air mailed overnight so I can take it to Florida with me? Well, just don't go to uh, don't go to pre pro wrestling tees. Do you see that? No. Check check out uh, Dave in the QC, <laughs> and he ordered a Rebel shirt and he went off on him online. And I'm like, that's hey, it is what it is. You do what you Uh-oh. do. You Dave's do got you. Dave's got heat with pro wrestling tees. Well, just Dave, you do you, man. Him him and I are see see I and some things. I'm like, dude, you just do you. I who cares about everybody else? Basically, he ordered a Rebel shirt for his wife for double or nothing, uh, beginning of the month. And it was uh, shipped out to his house in 21st. And it is, as of right now, we are recording on the 26th. <laughs> and he is leaving tomorrow. Uh-oh. Or today or hot. something. Oh, he's hot. He is hot. And I'm like, well, hey, do you, man. Who cares? I, who cares? I don't care. Just do you, man. So, but anyways, go over to what for, uh, ringsiderant.whatforapparel.com. Check out our great shirts because you will, you always get them on time from us. And uh, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, big shout out to all the to top guys and top gales uh, for listening and, uh, and giving us feedback. You know who you are. Uh, shout out to Coach and uh, everything he's done for the show as well as uh, our, uh, our friend Lori. Uh, just fantastic fans that we have, listeners that we have. And uh, we'll continue to do that. Go over, like I said, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And uh, coming up next week, we're going to have a very special edition of the Ringside Rant, a topic that was suggested to us by somebody we call Money Mike. And he said, hey, why don't we do an episode about uh, what got us into wrestling? What got us into liking professional wrestling? What's keep kept us in liking professional wrestling it's kind of like an expose rj this is your wrestling life oh god wait when rj met justin <laughs> next oh. next next week on maury um <laughs> but no that's going to be coming up next week and hopefully justin will be back next week if he survives jacksonville uh so justin we'll, we'll chat obviously before then but uh good luck safe drive safe drive down to uh to jacksonville and that was a 10-hour drive so hopefully hopefully your brakes will uh won't malfunction when you're on your way down well thank you i uh plan on leaving bright and early in the morning and i will see everybody in the ville excited for a little end up a and what is it what's it called a e w yeah a e w i'd also like to have some a and w root beer maybe on the way down there so i could have it get it all a and w and a e w and all that good stuff. I'm more of a bark guy, but that's just me. But anyways, we'll save that for another episode. Thank you, each and every one of you, for tuning in this week to the Ringside Rant. And we'll catch you back here next week in Ranters Nation. It is now time for the Ranter of the Week. So here's a Beard Guy rant for you. It's the June 3rd edition, the 1996 edition of Monday Night Nitro. That's why we're here, right? That's why I'm on the Ringside Rant right i mean starting from the get-go you get john tenta who who used to be the shark who used to be typhoon or was he earthquake i don't know it was a natural disaster anyway you slice it saying that you know his name is john tenta he's not the shark he's only cutting half his hair what's up with that big bubba did he cut it yeah i guess last week 
That's how they opened the show with an interview from John Tenta. That just tells you where the ratings were at in 1996. Johnny B. Bad Invader, of course, no longer with WCW. Tony Schiavone quoted, uh, he quipped, whatever you want to call it. They're no longer playing where the big boys play. High voltage debuting, ruckus and chaos, not even going over against the faces of fear. Mullets, Mortal Kombat, and monster trucks. That's the best way to describe this edition of Monday Night Nitro. Mullets from the Steiner Brothers, Luger. Uh, well, not Scotty Steiner, Lex Luger. I mean, you see a mullet, it was there. I, I'm tired of talking about mullets. Mullets, Mortal Kombat, monster trucks. That's what you get. Hogan, he's going to be going heel. He's going to be that third man in the next couple weeks against, uh, who was it, Luger, Macho Man, and Sting, I think was the team they put together. Uh, he's going to be that third man at Bash at the Beach. You know, Mean Gene, he's, he's I got to tell you, Mean Gene, he is one of the greatest stick men in the history of this great sport. Uh, he, he just, he sells the chaos, he sells the ruckus. Wait a minute, I'm not talking about a high voltage interview here. I'm talking about the sell job by Mean Gene on the stick, on the microphone. Hogan is heavy with nitro advertisements, advertisements here. Uh, and that works for him, brother. Anyhow, we're going to fast forward to the main event. You're going to get Luger and Sting going over against the Steiner Brothers in a bizarre no contest. And my highlight, my favorite match from this edition, I'm going to say it was the Rock and Roll Express versus uh, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. I just love that match. It was great in-ring work. Always, you're, you're never going to get a bad match from Ric Flair. But anyway, that's enough from the Beard Guy, and this has been a Beard Guy rant.